In this episode, we're talking about the communication modes. What are they exactly? How do we use them in the classroom? And how do they help to make sure that our classrooms are authentically communicative? So let's jump in. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Bonjour, mes amis. Hola, mis amigos. Welcome to the World Language Classroom Podcast. I'm Joshua Cabral, and I'm so happy to have you joining me here today. So this is going to be a solo episode. Hopefully, you're enjoying the episodes where I have the privilege of having interviews with really spectacular language teachers. But once in a while, probably about once a month, I'm going to make sure and do a solo episode so that I can really dive a little deeper into some themes and topics that you can think about specifically for your classroom. So you can look for those maybe about once a month, depending on sort of what's going on in the teaching world at that time. Before we jump into today's topic of the communication modes, I just want to make sure that you take a second and make sure that you are following or subscribing to the World Language Classroom podcast on whichever app you happen to be listening to it on so that you do not miss a single episode when it comes out. So now let's start in on this communication mode discussion. So when it comes to the communication modes, we need to take a step back real quickly and look at what I'm referring to as legacy teaching. Now, legacy teaching is a term that I hear and I like to use to refer to language teaching and the way it was done sort of prior to the arrival of communicative language teaching mindsets. And so that means it's a time when things were really innovative for their time and teachers were going at their teaching in the best possible way they could. And we've now had some new approaches and new research that has shown us that maybe some of that wasn't so effective and we're doing things a little differently now. So whenever I refer to legacy teaching, I never want us to think that it's sort of a pejorative term uh, because at the time, teachers were doing everything that they thought was the best way to go about it based on emerging research at the time. And we're always progressing. You know, I'm looking at legacy teaching I did 10, 15 years ago and how I'm doing it differently now. And I'm sure that 20 years from now, we'll be looking at what we're doing now and referring to it as legacy teaching. So please don't ever think that I use that term legacy teaching in a pejorative way. To that same token, it's used just as a way to say prior to or the way it was done for a while. So if we look at legacy teaching in terms of the idea of the four skills, this is something we hear about a lot and we definitely heard a lot about over the years of language teaching. And those four skills were reading, writing, listening, and speaking. Now, when those are the focus 
remember, if you go back to those prior episodes I did on language teaching through the years, the focus on those skills was very innovative uh, after behaviorism. But now we have taken those four skills and we've moved them even further by looking at communication modes. So the idea of the communication modes, and there are three modes and we're going to go through each one of them. The idea of the communication modes is that it takes those four skills, reading, writing, listening, speaking, and it puts them into a communicative context. It does not erase them. The skills are still there, but we're using them in a communicative context. And that's what the communication modes, as their name suggests, helps us to do. So the same thing needs to be kept in mind when we think about assessment. So legacy teaching with the four individual skills was about assessing those four individual skills, sort of what can you understand with language or what sentence can you write with the language. But when we look at assessment in a communicative classroom and an assessment within the communication modes, we are now looking at what students can do with the language. And that's what we're assessing them on and giving them feedback on. So the modes allow us to connect the four skills rather than teaching them, practicing them, and assessing them in isolation. So when it comes to understanding or conveying a message, there are three ways of looking at the communication. And these are the actful communication modes. And I'm saying the actual communication modes because that's typically where we see them when we hear about them, but they're sort of communication modes in general, uh, with or without actful. And so the three modes are interpersonal, interpretive, and presentational. Now, each one of these modes looks at the message, whether it's being produced or understood or interpreted, it looks at the message in a very unique way. Now, it's very possible that these modes are something that you are using in your classroom, that you're well aware of, but I want to make sure that we just take a second or, you know, 15 minutes here on this podcast to just step back and revisit what they are to make sure that even if you're using them, that you are using them in a way that is the most effective. Hopefully you are, and you're just going to get some reassurance. And maybe through this discussion, you'll think, oh, okay, I can look at that in a little different way, or I thought that this activity was interpersonal, but it's actually presentational. So it is really important to teach in all the modes and have students communicate in all the modes, but we just need to make sure that our intended goal for each one is, in fact, what we are working towards. So let's start with presentational communication. So presentational communication is one way speaking or writing. So you can see already speaking and writing, those are two of those skills, they fall under presentational communication. But As I said, they are one-way speaking or writing that does not allow for real-time clarification of meaning. So if you are writing, you're not sort of getting a response in real time to what you're writing. Or if you're speaking, it's prepared and advanced. It could be memorized, maybe not, but it's definitely prepared in advance. And you're speaking as if like you're doing some sort of speech or something like that, where you're not 
having a two-way conversation about it as you're speaking. So again, prepared in advance, and it's not spontaneous. So this means that the speaker or the writer has to be sure to fill in those gaps that might help to better understand what the listener or reader needs to know because they might not have all the details that you're assuming that they have. So you have to fill in those gaps because there's no opportunity to negotiate the meaning. It's one way, speaking or writing, it is not spontaneous, it's prepared in advance. So now we flip that from presentational and we look at interpretive communication, which is also one way. But whereas presentational communication is one way speaking and writing, interpretive communication is one way listening and reading, which also does not allow for real-time clarification of meaning. Now, when reading and listening in this context, the reader needs to fill in their own gaps in understanding because there's no opportunity for real-time negotiation or clarification of meaning. So if you're listening to, say, this podcast, or watching a video, or listening to the radio, or you're reading an article on a website, or you're reading a tweet, or an Instagram message, none of those things allow for real-time, in-the-moment clarification of meaning. So you have to kind of rely on your own personal knowledge on the topic, or maybe you do a little research before reading something on the topic so that you're better able to understand it so that you can fill in those gaps on your own. The other effective tool is to use context clues and identify what is needed by using the language you do understand to make meaning globally of the entire text. So interpretive communication, one way, just like presentational, but in this case, it's listening and reading where you sort of have to fill in your own gaps or use some tools for making meaning globally of the text if you don't understand every word that you are listening to or that you are reading. Because again, because it's one way, there's no opportunity to negotiate that meaning. So where does that negotiation of meaning come in? That brings us to interpersonal communication. So interpersonal communication is the only mode that is two-way. So it's not one way like the others. It's two-way speaking for the most part, although students ask me all the time if a text conversation could be considered uh, interpersonal communication. I would say yes, as long as it keeps going in real time. So we say two-way speaking or perhaps texting. Um, that allows for clarification of the message in real time. Now, when communicating interpersonally, all speakers and listeners are involved in creating and interpreting the message, and they work together to assure that there is a collective understanding. So if you don't understand something, you can ask for it to be said in a different way or give some indication that you didn't understand. Or if you're the one speaking and the listener doesn't understand something or if they need clarification, you can circumlocute and you use different tools to make sure that the message is understood. Now, the, the goal in a lot of language classes is the interpersonal communication. That's why we're sort of learning a language. It's to use it. 
we want to hit upon all of the modes, the presentational speaking and the presentational writing, as well as the interpersonal uh, listening and reading. But when we look at interpersonal communication, if that is the goal of most of our activities, or I, I shouldn't say most of our activities because we should be giving equal time and uh, objective weight to all of the modes. But when it comes to interpersonal communication, if that is the goal of a particular class, lesson, activity, let's make sure it is truly interpersonal and that it doesn't just look interpersonal. So sometimes if you have students memorize a dialogue and they memorize the dialogue and then they present it in front of the class or you have them do it in pairs and it is prepared in advance, it's memorized, and it involves strict turn-taking from one person to the next person, and there's no opportunity to negotiate the meaning. In that case, that makes it incredibly presentational and not interpersonal. So if it's going to be interpersonal, remember it has to be a two-way exchange that's spontaneous, so unpredictable, and not prepared in advance. So you have an opportunity to ask questions if you don't understand something and you help each other understand. And it's not just strict turn-taking back and forth, but you're just following up to something someone said or asking a follow-up question or doing things to maintain the conversation. And you're not ignoring your partner and waiting for your turn to say something because it's your memorized, prepared next chunk of language, but you're indicating interest and you're you're continuing to, to follow up and maybe adding on a detail and you're not overly concerned with accuracy. Whereas when it's memorized, it's usually going to be much more accurate, more overly concerned with the accuracy. Whereas interpersonal communication, let's be honest, it's going to be less polished. And one of the things that we shy away from as language teachers is that interpersonal language is not going to be as polished as that prepared and advanced presentational speaking. And so we have to get comfortable with getting a little dirty in the language when it comes to having things not perfect because that's what interpersonal communication is all about. And part of that means that students are not going to give up if they can't say something, that they're going to have tools like circumlocution and question formation in their, in their repertoire of language and skills and strategies so that they can communicate spontaneously in the language. So as you're putting together activities in your classroom, there is a valid place for all of the communication modes. I often get the question from teachers when I'm doing workshops on the communication modes, if there is a place for those memorized dialogues and that sort of presentational communication. And if the goal of the activity is to have an interpersonal conversation or interpersonal dialogue, that is spontaneous and unrehearsed, then it is not useful to have them prepare it in advance because it's not spontaneous. If you're going to have students memorize parts of a dialogue, it serves the purpose of students learning memorized chunks of language, which can be 
very useful, particularly at the novice level where they're speaking in language chunks and chunking together language to make sentences. So by memorizing dialogues, they are actually memorizing chunks of language that they can then use to start creating with language. But that's going to be the purpose of it. If the purpose is or the goal is to look at it as interpersonal communication, it's not because it's not spontaneous. So all of the modes have their time and place in the classroom, but just make sure that we know that when it's presentational, it's presentational. And when it's an interpersonal, it's indeed interpersonal. So now what is this really going to look like in the classroom? As I said at the very beginning, that we're looking at these four skills that have not been erased, but now we're able to take them and weave them together in a way that is very communicative. So for example, you might listen to something and legacy teaching is listen and check off the correct answer or it's multiple choice it's a multiple choice question based on what they learned. Whereas when you're doing communication modes, they may listen, but then there's an interpersonal discussion after. Or students are reading something, and then after, they do a written response to it. So you're moving from interpretive to presentational. Or you might even move to yet another discussion. But as you can see, it's keeping it all communicative rather than practicing and assessing the individual skills. Now, when it comes to assessment... I would be remiss if I did not bring up IPAs, which are Integrated Performance Assessments. These are assessments that assess each of the modes of communication, or perhaps even the sub-modes, whether it's presentational speaking and presentational writing. So sort of in a perfect world, every unit would give equal time and energy to all of the communication modes, and therefore your assessment, your IPA, your Integrated Performance Assessment, would then also assess all of the communication modes. Sometimes you're going to have a unit where you did a lot of discussion, not a lot of listening comprehension, uh, where you did some writing, but you didn't do a lot of reading. So you might want to tweak that a little bit when it comes to your IPA. I mean, it's not sort of set in stone, I don't think, but you should try to, as much as possible, touch upon all of the communication modes as you're going through. And the last part of the little recap here is I would say just remember what interpersonal communication is and is not rather than what it looks like and when it doesn't look like what it should look like. Because if it's a memorized dialogue, it looks interpersonal, but it is in fact presentational communication. If it would be helpful for you to see a more visual representation of this, I'm going to invite you to head on over to my blog, WL Classroom, and go to wlclassroom.com slash modes. And on there, I have a slide share presentation that I use to walk through the communication modes so you can see them with examples, what it looks like, so that you can just sort of revisit it um, with a different modality than perhaps just listening to it. So I hope that you are able to solidify your understanding of the communication modes here, that you take a second to look at your activities, and if you have a solid understanding of these communication modes, that you are just reassured that you are on the right track, or maybe you might tweak something or look at something in a different way or try something out a little differently based on what we talked about with the communication modes. 
Be sure to take a look at the show notes if you want to see the link to that SlideShare presentation. And also, you'll see the link for Talking Points, which is my weekly newsletter. And we put your name and your email address in there, and I will make sure and email you every week a newsletter with tips and tools for language learning. And also, you will get an email every Monday when the new episode of the podcast comes out, and you'll know exactly what it's going to be about. Thanks so much for spending this time with me. I will talk to you real soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to the World Language Classroom Podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss a single episode. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at WL Classroom. You can also see over 250 blog posts about language teaching at, you guessed it, WLClassroom.com.